Carl gonna be able to see me? Yeah, he'll be all right. There. He knows what I look like. He knows what I look like. Nope, not at all. I just didn't want you to have to be behind me. <laughs> all right, we got two people on, so we'll start. I like to have at least one on there before I start. <laughs> Takes a while to pop up, so. Well, I'm glad everybody's here today. Everybody must have thought it was the last Sunday of the month. <laughs> no, not at all. There's Sandy. I missed you a lot. You've been gone for quite a while. Quite a while. It's good to have you here. Well, I, uh, I, this morning I'm starting uh, teaching for my next chapter. I always uh, kind of wait and listen to the Lord what to teach. And sometimes I don't know until I <clears throat> sit down at my desk <clears throat> something pops into my my uh, thoughts, and I just thought I would title this to live with the light, we must, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and it's not so much we must do something to be or anything. You know, we used to think that we had to follow a set of rules, but there there is some things that we must we must do. You know, we talk a lot about how Paul said we need to let, you know, let our light shine. Let So there is a, a will in this. A lot of people say we don't have a free will, but we do. And there is a will in this. We can choose to know who we are, but continue to live as carnal. And the Apostle Paul said that that was death. In other words, uh, death is just no intimacy with your father, no knowledge of who you are, because father is our life source. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know that we're son of God, and we know that we were born son of God, and we know that we are the image of God. Uh, I've been saying this for quite a while. Uh, I've been talking about how difficult it is to explain to people what spirit is. To even articulate it sometime has been very difficult for us. But today I really wanted to, I'm, I'm going to get into it a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about where the word spirit came from. And, you know, we, again, uh, I, I put a post on Facebook what I was teaching today, and one, one person wrote, well, how many words were mistranslated? Well, a bunch, a bunch of them were. A whole lot of them were. And uh, I'm so thankful that Father has a people on the earth today that are digging into the Greek and the Hebrew. But, but in doing it, they're listening to the very voice of God as they do it. And they do it from understanding the eternal love of God. And so we're bringing truth is coming at a great light speed today. And literally, it changes uh, moment by moment, our, our understanding. You know, as I read this today, I thought, well, am I going to have to change my book on living as Holy Spirit? Well, no, I'm not. You know, uh, I still say it's okay to say spirit if you want to, but I want to show you what really spirit is. We can tell people what spirit is. Did you know that? It's not that hard to explain it when we find out what it was translated from. And I'm not going to teach you anything that you don't know already. But we really need to understand these principles of that Jesus came to teach us. Jesus did not come to uh, make us anything that we wasn't already. He didn't come to get us born again. He came to wake us up to who we are, always were, and he came to teach us some uh, vital principles to life. And that's what Paul was used to teach, and there were people before Jesus that, that did that, but not to the extent that Jesus did. Jesus did it fully and explained it to us properly. <clears throat> so we are the true light of the world, as I've titled this teaching here, and we were born as the light. We don't have to do anything to become the light, but we do need to let our light shine, Amen. right? We need to let our light shine. And one of the biggest hindrances to our light shining is just paying a lot of attention to what's going on in the world and situations of life and circumstances of life 
under the sun. And what I mean by under the sun is just not living, you know, not living in this sun life that we have. I always say when people talk about how it's a dark, gloomy day out there, I say, no, the sun's shining bright. It is. It's always shining bright. There's nothing that can stop the sun from shining, but there's something that can stop us from viewing the sun or seeing the sun. And so I want people to see sun when they see me. I want them to see sunshine. I don't want them to see the darkness, gloomy stuff that tries to overshadow me or tries to come against me. I want to let the light shine because light will always burn away the clouds. It always will. And so there are very few people who experience being Holy Spirit, even though we are Holy Spirit. Very few people experience that. And anytime I talk about Holy Spirit or write about Holy Spirit, I start hearing all those songs we used to sing about Holy Spirit, fall on me, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. It was always with this mindset that I needed an entity called Holy Spirit to do something for me, just like we believed in an entity called God out there on a throne somewhere that doesn't exist out on a throne somewhere. God is in the throne and we're the throne. So it's one thing to be who you be, but not to experience who you be. That's that's the sad side of being, to, to be something but never experience that. And I've often used that example of somebody being related to a very wealthy person and heir to all that they have and their their names on the checking account. They can write a check anytime they want. They can go to the bank and cash a check, but yet they live in utter, utter, utter poverty all their life because they don't either believe it or they just don't know it. There's some kind of mental illness that's come into them <clears throat> that has caused a lack of understanding. And I have to say all of us have suffered a mental illness most of our life. Amen. And it was enforced on us by a religiosity, but also it was giving power over us by ourselves because we just kept feeding on it and feeding on it and feeding on it. And we all became insane because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. And it just, it didn't work. So uh, this entire planet and its, and its habitants are growing, uh, groaning, if you would, groaning for us to show forth our glory desiring that we show forth our glory. And I've got to mark something here because I, I like to correct things as I see them. <laughs> Don't want to leave them that certain way. There we go. But in this chapter here, in this teaching here, and I'm not going to finish it today. It'll probably be another week, maybe even two weeks that I'm going to teach through all this. But I want to lay out some simple principles how to grow into all that we are. And I call it spiritual exercise. It's just like physical exercise. Uh, if, if you want muscles, you've got to exercise. You know, I joke about this all the time. I have some weights in my office that, I mean, excuse me, in my closet. Every once in a while, I'll bring them in here and I'll make a decision and I'm going to start lifting weights every day and I'll do it for how many days, Donna? <laughs> One, a couple. <laughs> and then Donna says, would you put those weights up? And I said, no, I'm going to use them. And they sat there another two or three days. Next thing you know, they're gone because Donna knows I'm not going to use them. And she picks them up and puts them back in my closet all the time. And it's not just the, the, the uh, intellectual desire to do it. It has to be a really wanting to. It has to be, you know what, I'm tired of this flab hanging under, underneath my, hand, my arm. I'm tired of not being able to lift up more than five or six pounds without having to take a breath. It's got to get to that point. To where I'll finally say, you know what, this takes daily exercise, constant exercise. So spiritual exercise, and when I say spiritual exercise, I'm not talking about exercising my spirit, because 
our spirit, or what I'm going to share with you about our spirit, is already mature. It's already, but we must do what Jesus did. We must grow into spiritual understanding. We must grow into wisdom. We have wisdom. We have knowledge, but we must grow into that. Just like a baby when it's born, it doesn't come out looking like me right now. Thank God, aren't you glad, women, <laughs> that you, you didn't go give birth to full 185-pound son there. It came out small, but it had to grow to become everything it was created to be. And so we want to grow in these things, and we want to understand these things. So I ask this question again, and I ask it all the time uh, lately. Why is it that it's taking so long for the masses to learn who they are? Why is it that, you know, and what it is, the answer is a lack of spiritual exercise. When we went, most of us went to what we called church, there was very little teaching on how to grow out of our spirit and how to learn. We were always trying to learn to please God, and that was a dead work. So we must be like the great master Jesus as he aged in childhood, Scripture says, and I've quoted this before recently, as the child grew, he waxed strong in being filled with wisdom, and Holy Spirit of his Father was in him, and better said, breath of God was in him. He was kept away from what are the, the teachings. I, I believe the messenger Gabriel came to Jesus, I mean Mary, and said, keep him away from religiosity, keep him away from these Jewish teachers, and that's what it meant by he was kept out in the desert. Uh, the, word, the desert, or the, uh, or, uh, uh, what was it in Luke chapter 4, said that he, wilderness is always translated as a place of being alone. How many times have you felt like you just needed to get alone? I've, had, I've read many, many people writing on the internet how they had to get away from teachers and the Spirit of God spoke to them to get off by themselves and just listen to the voice of God. You know, and as a teacher, if I was a religious-minded teacher, I'd say, well, wait a minute, you need us teachers. Well, sometimes we need to be alone so we can be, everything that's hindering us can be removed by the very voice of God to the point that then we can hear. But there's many times that people have got to, have needed to be alone. That's kind of hard for me because I don't like to be alone. I like to be around people. You know, I'm not one, but like Donna, she likes to get alone sometimes. She just likes to, wants me to leave the house and let her be alone. But she likes to shut herself off with the Lord a lot. And I, yes, to, to get clarification. And I do that in my office. I, I, I spend a lot of hours in there alone. But I think that's important, and I think that's what had to happen to Jesus to be able to help him to grow with the voice of God only. <clears throat> now, I say this all the time. Wouldn't it be awesome is from our birth, all we ever heard was righteous teachings and, and who we are and who our Father is. Our life would have been completely different. <clears throat> so how do we wax strong in spirit? When we talk of somebody growing, <clears throat> we usually like to know, well, how tall is a person? You know, we talk about how they're muscular, and we talk about their education and things like that. But here the Bible speaks of waxing strong in spirit. So when people wax strong in their physical accomplishments, uh, literally, and that's all they're concerned about, then they become weak in spirit. If all I ever talk about is how much I've sowed all my life and all the trophies I ever got and how much money I've earned and I've got this beautiful home and my, all my interests are in carnal things, which there's nothing wrong with having these things, but when that's my emphasis, then I, I become weak in spirit. And I don't really live out of spirit and what I'm going to show you spirit is. The father of faith, Abraham, was not like that. God blessed him materially, but it got to the point where none of that meant anything to him, right? 
You know, we, Brother Garner used to say this all the time. Somebody would come to Abraham and say, wow, man, look at all the servants you have and the cattle and the wealth that you have. And Abraham said, yeah, 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 but have you seen that city? He was looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. He was looking for people who lived out of who they really are. Yes. And he desired to see that. And so he, it did not mean that, uh, that there was any neglect on his part of spiritual life because he had things, but the things didn't have him. That's what's important to understand. It's, we, sometimes we judge people for what they have, not talk about us, but people. You know, but if I can have multi-billions of dollars, I can have millions of dollars, but if those dollars don't have me, I'm okay. But if they have me, then I'm not okay. And all that will perish, and I can lose every bit of it. <clears throat> but the Bible says he waxed strong in spirit. So when, a spirit, when spirit became strong in John the Baptist, he didn't care for the world. He didn't care for much. It doesn't talk about anything that he had. He, he, again, it says he lived in the desert, which was a place of separation. So kind of like Jesus, he was kept separate from all that stuff. And so the Bible says he waxed strong in spirit then. So he did not say, but I must live in a city, or I must have this, or I must have that, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. You know, and many of us have been that way in our life, haven't we? Our emphasis, well, I don't have a good enough car. I don't have a nice enough home. I don't have a nice enough income. And then when you get in your 60s and 70s, sometimes you start thinking, I haven't saved enough for retirement. How am I going to make it? You know, sometimes I've told Donna many times, I wish I would have done more. But you know what? I realize whether I did or whether I don't has nothing to do with how I'm going to live and how I do live. I don't live stupidly. I don't, Donna might say I do sometimes. I don't spend money frivolously. You know, she thinks if I buy a fishing lure, it's stupid. But, you know, I think her buying books are stupid. So what's the difference? <laughs> Not really. I just, we, we joke with each other. She wonders why I have to have 300 fishing lures. But you never know what the fish is going to bite that day. It's like a grandchild, you know. You just keep throwing something to them until they finally eat, right? Anybody got grandkids? You know that, Barb. <laughs> You don't know what they want. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, John the Baptist had a message that even King Herod could hear. He had a message. And I was reading something on the internet yesterday, about, or last night. A man was just talking about uh, how he, he was sad that he didn't have a message that could reach everybody. And then he began to talk about his message was from his religion. His message was what he was brought up to believe all of his life. And he said, it, it, I want to, and he, he just said this, I want a message that could reach anybody. That was the guy that wrote an article back in 1988 that I was doing some research on. <clears throat> and and I, I think that's important because John the Baptist, what his message was, it was for everyone. Everyone can hear it. And when we learn who we really are as spirit and what the word spirit means, then literally people can hear what we have to say. And people can understand what we have to say. Uh, this, this, is, this is one of the marks of those that are strong in spirit. If we are strong in spirit, we're not afraid of the consequences of taking a stand and speaking what God has told us to say. You, 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 know, you may not realize what it's like to do what I do, and I'm sure what Kay does, and other ministers who are really grinding out the word. You, know, you get up every Sunday almost, and you're getting ready to say something that a lot of people, most of the Christians in the world will turn their back on you. And even the people that are following you, it's like, all right, now you're going to take that away from me? 
you know, or now you're going to tell me what you taught a year ago is not correct. You know, if it's not correct, that's not correct. You know, and so we want to be able to not worry about the consequences and stand up and speak with righteousness and speak with purity. And when when we hear the voice of God speaking to us, we know it's true and we know it's going to change people's lives. Everywhere people are becoming weak in spirit. They really are. And what I mean by weak in spirit or weak in, you know, what spirit represents is because they have these expectations of things that's supposed to take place and they're not taking place. And a lot of people are beginning to turn away from truth that has been mistaught to them, right? It was mistaught to them, but the truth is coming today. And now people are so weak in that that they're turning away from even when the truth comes. The Bible talks about several places. It talks about the undeceitful word. When Jesus said the truth will make you free, that word truth is the undeceitful word. And I found another place that I'll explain that to you later later in this today's teaching. It still used the undeceitful word. So the, uh, the deceitful word has robbed us so much that when the truth comes, we reject the truth as though it's the lie. What was that Tom said once uh, that doing, doing that? You know, the Tom that came to our church a long time ago? Tom Willis, yeah. He was talking about that, how we have believed the lie so much that when the truth comes, we reject it as the lie. And we've got to break free from that. But the spirit uh, being weak is meaning, in other words, the very spirit of God inside of us, the very breath of God inside of us is not able to be drawn from because we don't believe it because we still want to believe the lie. I've had many people, people tell me over the years that I'm not Holy Spirit, you're not Holy Spirit, you know, and when you try to tell them the truth, they reject it because again, all their life, they're just human minded. Now, I have, I don't know if you've had people tell you, but I've had a lot of people say, no, we are just humans. And they believe that because of what was taught them. So what did John the Baptist have, uh, have of things? He had nothing of things. He didn't care about things. He cared about the truthful word of God. So when a fellowship becomes large, some develop the strength of good habits and good discipline. And they develop in programs and they have, they say, look what we have. This is good. You know, this is good. We have this many members and we have all this stuff going on and they enjoy good sermons. There are preachers out there that can take what I call outer court teaching and make it sound really, really good. And all it is is an effort of trying to become better when that's, the Bible calls that a dead work because you already are better. But they're teaching about how to be a good husband, be a good wife, how to get a good wife, how to get a good husband, how to, make, how to please God. And all this stuff goes on and on and on. And we'll walk away and say, man, that was really good because it appealed to our senses, if you would. But they have no strength in them. They're not changing people's lives whatsoever. And sometimes, I've said this many times, it's one thing for me to not do something, but it's another thing for me just to not to want to do it whatsoever. Right? And most people, it's, it's more of not doing something because we know it's wrong, we know it's going to hurt somebody, but it's, rather, it's better for us to live out of our true nature. Like Brother Garner used to say, the, 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 the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, he said it's really thou shall not. When you know who you are, not, none of that's going to have a part of your life at all. It just won't be part of you whatsoever. 
So Luke 2.40, again, it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, which was the mind of God, right? And I always say wisdom represents spirit to us, or represents breath. So when a child is growing, we never speak of the strength of a spirit in that child. We, we uh, you know, Don and I, the closest we ever got to that with our children, we always told them that, remember, you have the mind of Christ. Remember, you have the mind of Christ. And that helped them, but I don't know if they really understood it that much. But literally, we should be speaking of the spirit. Of the very, what'd you say, baby? I said, we didn't understand it. We, nope, that's right. We didn't either. But we never, speak, uh, we never speak over people of the breath of God. We never tell children that you are the very breath of God. Because that's what spirit means, is breath. It, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but I know you know that all the time. But we say he's a good runner, he's a good tennis player, he's a good football player. You know, he's a good reader. You know, whatever it is that our children do, but we never really instruct them that, did you know that you are the breath of God? That's good. You are the life of God? And those are things we can start teaching them right now. So when a child is growing, uh, who talks about spirit growing? Who talks about waxing strong in these things to, to, to the children? And I still don't hear a lot of that going on with people. And I can't even say that I do it all the time. I try, you know, the best I can. But what, sometimes when we see a fellowship growing, we think, oh, there, there's 300 people there. You know, or they, like Brother Garner said, this, this church had 800. And he said, what are you doing? Collect them like pop bottle tops. You don't know what you're doing with them. But that's not growing. That's not a sign, and, and not having a lot of people is not a sign of failure either. Neither one of them is. It may be dying. That's what it may be. Just getting a massive amount of people and doing nothing with them may be dying. It may be cutting them off from the very knowledge of God, cutting them off from the very life of God, and you right along with them. What, what, what is the use of having 10,000 dead people? <laughs> But see, this is true because Scripture says the entire planet is groaning for the manifestation of the Son of God, the sons of God. And and we are the manifestation. But when I talk about manifestation, I'm talking about the experience of the manifestation, the being able to see it. That's why I try to teach you guys and, and people that follow me is practice seeing beauty in everybody and everything. Practice yeah. seeing them as the manifestation already yeah. because they are the manifestation. Yeah. But, but there's a lot of people who are not seeing that. And so uh, how do we talk with God? How closely do we walk with God? In our moment, how close is that? One person said, God is closer than your next breath. But I say God is your breath. God is your breath. How do we talk with God? How strong is our spirit when we're faced with temptations. May I say, how strong is our breath? How strong is what we speak when we're faced with something that's trying to come against us and trying to hinder us? How many words can we speak that bring encouragement and blessing to others? Do we know how to bless other people? Do we know what to say when somebody's lost a, the physical body of her loved one? We, we should be able to. These are the things that indicate strength in spirit or strength in the very breath of God. I've often stated, it's, again, that it's difficult to explain spirit, but the truth is 
It's only difficult to explain it to one who has no interest in what spirit is. That, that's all there is to it. I like what Jesus said. It's recorded in John 14, 16 through 18. My wife likes me to give a lot of scripture, so there's one for you, baby. A couple of them. <laughs> but this is my translation. And I like what Jesus said. He's talking to disciples, and he said, Don't worry, I will not leave you teacherless and guideless. That's what the word comforter means. I will send many, and the word another means more. So I will send many teachers, leaders, and guides to explain and help you understand what I do and who you are. And you will become aware as a result of what I come to do. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, or I would, I would rather say the breath of truth, whom the currently mindful people cannot actively take hold of because they discern not their spirit, neither are they aware of their Holy Spirit or breath within. But you know yourself, for you know our Holy Spirit dwelleth in and exists in you. Verse 18, he said, Currently you and the world cannot withdraw from your spirit of truth within because you live unaware. But you soon will experience a quickening that will allow you to hear the explainers, I exist, will anoint to teach you. And, we're, and I taught last week, I think it was, where it says, I am. It actually says, I exist. When God said, I am that I am, God said, I exist, I exist, is what he said. Ooh, that's good. Isn't that? Good. Thank you, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> I need some amenners here. He said, currently you, can, you cannot receive, discern, or take hold of these things because of yet you do not know who you are as Son of God, nor are you fully aware of your Holy Spirit that eternally abides within you, just as in me. Holy Spirit exists in you, or may I say, breath of God exists in you. Don't worry, you will understand all. And that's what Jesus said to them, and they, they come to that point. So if we need to wax strong in spirit, then we must know what spirit is. And again, I've written and taught many times what oneness is. Uh, I really like uh, using the word oneness because one is not a lonely number. Two is a lonely number. Most of my life I lived as two. Me here, God out there somewhere. And I was told I was one with God, but God was always out there somewhere. And that's very lonely. I'll never forget being in Australia several years ago ministering. And Donna wasn't there with me the first time. And I looked up at the moon and I realized how far away she was. She was on the other side of the world looking at the moon. And I was just thinking I was very lonely. I was lonely for my wife. You know, but we can never, should never be lonely for God when we understand our oneness with our Father. But what does it look, what does it look like to be one? If I'm one with you, what does it look like? You know, if you're one with God, what does it look like? If you don't know who God is, then you won't know what you look like or who you look like. And I'm not trying to say we need to become this again. We need to know that this is who we are. Yeah. So when we talk about oneness, we should really meditate on that. Where, where is this oneness? How does it show up, the oneness with God? Why does the Apostle Paul say that we are the temple of God? Why does the Apostle Paul that said God lives within us and walks in us and talks to us and lives as us? Literally, we are God in a body. We, we never say that we are God Almighty. You know, a lot of people will say it to the point that there is no God anywhere. Well, yeah, God is real. God Almighty is real. And the only way that God is in a physical body is in us. When he exists. God exists as us. So 
It is your consciousness and it is your breath. When I say it, I'm talking about God, I'm talking about spirit, but more importantly, I'm talking about breath of God. Uh, breath means that that divine with inside of us uh, that lives as each moment of our life, each moment. Just think about that. Each moment of your life, your breath is God. You're breathing God. You exist each moment of your life as God. Even though you may not be pre presenting yourself that way, you exist at the very image of God. And so what's interesting, spirit the word spirit came from the Latin translation of breath. When you look in scripture, you literally find out where every place that says spirit, it actually is breath, but the translators were paid to translate the way that religion wanted them to, and they translated as spirit instead of breath. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? Well, spirit, to me, all my life, spirit was separate from me. I had a hard time seeing myself as spirit because of all the, the memories and all the things that I did, the things that I thought, the desires that I had didn't seem too spiritual, did they? And we were always measuring people about how spiritual they were, about how they prayed and how they would. I remember one time Brother Hibbert got up one time and talked about Billy Gibson and how he was so impressed with him that he laid out prostate on the floor for hours and, and heard a divine word from God. And I thought, oh, that's it. That's what I need to do. So I would go up to full gospel assembly sometimes. And I would just lay out on the floor and try to get what Billy had because I wanted to be spiritual because I did not see myself as spiritual. And so I literally believe this. I believe the word spirit was used to continue to enforce that separation between us and God. Because most of the translation in the King James Version and all the other versions came out of that, not all of them, but modern versions that sell by the millions, always makes us separate from God and it makes God a long ways off from us, right? So the very word spirit can do the same thing. And I know I wrote a book, Living as Holy Spirit, and I still believe that. We just need to realize that we're living as holy breath. We are the breath of God. We have the very divine nature activity. We have the DNA of God. My DNA, physically, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and say the scientists can't look and see Sam Richmond, Betty Richmond, and study my genes. But I'm talking about who I really am. More than just physically, I am DNA, I am divine nature, you are too. And so what we see here is breath of God slowed down to visibility. And I'm sure Kay has said that before. Same thing as spirit slowed down to visibility. It's breath of God slowed down to visibility. So had the translators not used the word, uh, the Latin word for breath in the place of the word, uh, they put spirit in the place of the word breath, we would already known the truth of this for a long time. It was somewhere around 400 years ago, somewhere around there that that, that, that scripture was translated that way. And man has not believed or known the truth ever since then. And this morning I was reminded as I was writing in Psalms 156, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It didn't say it has spirit. It got in there right. It said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Breath is the Father of God. And everything that exists is, the fa is Father God. Everything. It's the breath of God. God spoke it into being. When God made man, formed man in the dust of the earth, what did God do? He breathed himself into man. 
He didn't put a spirit in him. He breathed himself. He was spirit already. So uh, praising the Lord would mean to show forth your glory. Because it says everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So show forth your glory. Show forth who you are. The psalmist did not write every person. He wrote everything. And that's why I said last week, everything that exists is God. How could it be God? Because it was in the mind of God. Mountains are here because God saw mountains. Trees are here because God saw trees. Everything that exists is God and came out of the very thoughts of God. So everything, which is the whole, which is K-O-W-L, it's the whole of all creation. And then John 3.16 records Jesus saying, that which is procreated, and I've, I've translated it, that which is procreated of human-minded nature is human-minded. So how are we procreated in our thought process? Human-minded, wouldn't we? All of our life we were taught that we were just humans and our parents didn't have a lot of understanding about breath of God and who we were. So we were always taught that. And even in church, I always heard that we're just humans. And people will say, oh, we're just humans having a spiritual experience or we're spirit having a human experience. It's, it's all back and forth like that. But that which is, he said, he said, but that which is procreated of pneuma is pneuma. In other words, that which is created, procreated of breath is the breath of God. So there again, I say, if I was taught all my life that I am the very breath of God, I'm being procreated in my awareness and in my understanding. I'm already created who I am, but my awareness, my conscious awareness needs to rise up to live out of the breath of God. Everything that the breath of God speaks to me and does through me. So it all means, also, I like this this morning. It's another, there's another word, P-N-E-O, which made me think of the, the uh, pineal gland, but, but it just, it says, means superhuman. It means to breathe hard. It, it mean, to breathe hard. What happens, Barbara, when you breathe hard? Does something happen in your body? Things begin to fire up in your body. Heat, it begins to produce heat, right? It produces energy. Uh, I, I've talked to a lot of people that run and they ride bikes, they get addicted to it. Sure. They're getting addicted to the high of breathing hard, to taking in lots of air. So there's something physiologically about breath. Endorphins. Endorphins, just right. So for this primary reason, the biblical books have been misunderstood for centuries because of a foreign word, and this is going to sound funny to people, but a foreign word called spirit that no one knew meant breath. I didn't know it most of my life. I just thought spirit was God and I'm just human. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm always wanting spirit to come do something for me, fall on me, whatever it is, I needed spirit to do something. And I never understood that literally the word spirit was placed in there to cause us to have a sense of still separateness, separate from God. Now, I know some people may not agree with it. I'm just saying that's just me, but that's what I see this morning. No one knew that breath or breathe was inserted into an English document version. I mean, spirit was inserted in there rather than spirit that was put in there. So why would the English translators be paid to do that? I don't know. You decide for yourself. <laughs> Jesus said this to the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well? 
In John 4, 23 through 24, he said, God is breath. He didn't say God is spirit. I've quoted that many times, said God is spirit, God is spirit. He said, God is breath, and they that worship God must truly worship him in their breath and in the not concealing word. Worship means what? Ascertain, seek, and desire to know. Praise means to tell the story. Right? I know you do. <laughs> Everybody does. But, you know, like, you know, I know Norma a lot. She worships me. She seeks the desire to know about me and, and all that. And then when she finds out about me, she goes and tells the story. Have you seen Roy? He's, he looks like a Greek god. Isn't that right, Norma? <laughs> now will you remember that, baby? <laughs> but it is good. God is breath, and they that want to know God must ascertain and seek to know God in their breath. And their very life, not looking out there, but looking within. God is my breath. What is breath? What does air do to you? It brings life to you. Does it not? Now, I searched the, on Google for the Latin word uh, spirit, and I found there are over 31 million references to the actual word being breath and breathe. 31 million over references, and yet we spent more time talking about spirit than we talk about breath. Because we believe spirit, we were taught that spirit is separate from us, if you would. So the word spirit is found in the middle of words like respiration, uh, uh, in a hospital, respirator, right? Expire. Why would they use spirit in all those? It's not because it's breath. It really should say ex breath, as though the last breath you breathe before you die. But they put the word spirit there because a lot of Latin words are used in medical terms, correct? But Roy, spirit huh? lives on forever, so... The breath of God lives on forever. I'm not talking about just the air we breathe. I'm not talking about oxygen. I'm talking about the very breath of God that, that is life. It's our chi. Yeah. It's our life source. It's, our inner, it's, it's the very inner part of us. And... And literally, what I'm going to talk about here, and I believe more and more next week, is about how important it is for us to get along and meditate and breathe with an awareness that we are breathing in the very life of God. And we are excelling, exhaling the life of God. That's why Jesus, what did Jesus do? He breathed on people. He didn't say, have you, he didn't tell them they need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, have you received? And the disciples said, have you received since you believed? And Jesus breathed on them every time. He breathed the breath of God upon them. And not that they didn't have it, but I believe he revitalized them. You know, what, what do you do when you find somebody on the floor and hopefully you've been trained and they're not breathing? What's the first thing you need to do? You get their head in a proper position, first of all. You make sure there's nothing blocking them so you can remove all that religious garbage out of their throat. And then you breathe into them. And you hopefully, if it's not too late, you bring life to them. That's what Jesus was here doing. He is removing that which hindered their ability to breathe in the very breath of God and to exhale the breath of God. And he removed all the religious lies. Isn't that cool? And that's what we're here to do today. There's another word called inspire, S-P-I-R-E. It's to inward breathe from divine inspiration. It's the inspiration of, 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 the, of the pneuma that flows out of us. 
So mistraining the word breathe for spirit hides the true scriptural instructions on how to live here, how to uh, live in peace in our earth and to experience peace and experience the very life of God within inside of us. Once we know we connect to our oneness uh, in our conscious breath, we transform our lives then. That's why Paul said, don't be conformed to this old way of living, just just carnal thoughts and carnal desires and just breathing like a mere human, but literally begin to breathe the breath of God and be the breath of God. That's what transforms your life. You know, when one of the first things they do when I go to a doctor, I've had many experiences over the last 14 months and I'm, I've only got one more to go to and prayerfully that's it. But, uh, they, the two things I don't like the most that they remind me of my age. They always say, what's your birthday? And then they remind me of my weight. Isn't that right? I don't like that. But, but then they put that thing on my finger. What are they trying to do? They're measuring the oxygen. And if I don't have the right amount of oxygen, then there's something wrong. And the first thing I want to do is put it on me, don't they? Right? So what we need to do is be getting a, a, a checkup from the neck up and see what are we breathing. And what are we excelling? What's coming out? What's coming into us? What's coming out of us? Good, thank you, because I thought I was crazy. <laughs> Thankfully, somebody said this good. So, so it was Paul who taught this. Listen to this. The fruit of the holy breath. The fruit of the holy breath. Not the fruit of the, not the, fruit of the Spirit. Because even if I say this fruit of the Spirit to people, it's like, well, I'm not doing all that. I'm not peaceful. I'm not kind. I'm not. So I must not have a spirit of God in me. But when we breathe in and breathe out the breath of God, what was the description then? Peace, love. Yeah, but the fruit is love. All that other stuff. is. What's the word I use for everything else? Long suffering. Attributes. Those are all the attributes of love. If you don't love, you won't. You won't have any of those attributes function in your life. And so if we're breathing in good air, what's, what's happening in our body? It's, it's bringing oxygen to our whole being. And then we breathe out, you know, healthy breath. And I'm talking about, if, if I have to use the word spiritual, spiritual things, but it's the breath of God. So pneuma is the Greek for the holy or the sacred breath holy or sacred breath it's so cool you you literally breathe the breath of god that's just something to meditate on that's what I'm and how many times have you ever been all worked up and somebody comes and says and just breathe oh, yes. that's you remember when your son passed away or you found out he was i mean i'm sure you was just <laughs> and you probably needed to hear and just just breathe you know and you ladies when you're giving birth you know, uh, your husband comes and says, just breathe, and then you slap us. <laughs> if you'll just breathe, it'll be okay. <laughs> you know, uh, anybody ever had sleep apnea? You know, it doesn't belong to us, but some of us do. And when you go to sleep, you just forget to breathe for some reason. You know, when I forget to breathe the most, Donna may say it's not, but when I'm in there studying, I'll be sitting there staring at something, and I'm reading, and I'm reading, and the next thing you know, I go... <gasps> I just don't realize I'm concentrating so hard that I quit. And I think we've been working so hard 
at trying to please God and serve the church and be who we're supposed to be that we've forgotten just to breathe and realize that our breath is the breath of God. Our whole being is the breath of God. Jesus breathed with them is what he did. This is what I like. He said, receive you. It said the Holy Spirit, but he said, receive you, pneuma, receive you, breath. In John 20, 22, Jesus breathed with them, not on them. He showed them how to tread about life, breathing the very life of God. And that breath formed all the words that he spoke. That breath did. So Jesus breathed with them and Jesus breathed around them. Jesus introduces the breath of light, the breath of fire. And there again, I say this, when you begin to breathe, it produces heat in your body, does it not? I, was, I did this a lot of research on the internet this morning, but it literally produces heat and you get hot. And, and, and heat is good for us in a sense. Sometimes we don't think it is, but it is good for us. I'm going to show you later on what it does. But have you ever experienced, again, been stressed out? You have. And a lot of times it's because you're not breathing properly. You're, maybe you're breathing too fast. And sometimes people will get a brown paper bag and, you know, huh? you're hyperventilating. And so they're trying to control your breath where you're breathing properly. Well, there's a great secret that has been hidden from us, which Jesus revealed. And there again, just breathe. We, we should have told people when they came to the altar and they were all upset. Hey, wait a minute. You don't need to confess all that. Just breathe. Just relax. Let me tell you who you are. Rest. Let me bring you something that's going to bring you perfect rest to you. So this is a secret. What takes place again when we take deep breaths? Well, I've got a copy of the book of Thomas, and I'm not telling everybody to go read it because I'm not telling you I, I agree with all of it, but I agree with a lot of it. I believe a lot of people, besides just the books of the Bible, learn things about Jesus. I believe oh, yeah. God spoke truth well before Jesus even appeared on the scene. Amen. And not everybody heard it, not everybody got it, but there's been people around many, many thousand years before the biblical history. I believe that. So I was looking this up. Some young man asked me once if I read the book of Thomas because I was saying some things that sound like, and I said, no, I never have, but I remembered I have it. And so I found the following been shared. Jesus gave the most powerful knowledge of breath so that everyone in the world could have it. And what do I mean by have? Well, breath belongs to us, but not everybody has breath. Natural breath. You know, our good friend Ronnie uh, Hogg, she lost it. I mean, she got what do you call it, COPD, and she wasn't getting the breath that we needed. And we watched a horrible death. I've seen other people die with COPD, and it's, a, it's, it's suffocating. Yeah, I well, I have to say religiosity has suffocated us to death, yes. where we're not able to just breathe the very breath of God. Yes. You know, have, uh, as a child, I remember swimming and the bullies that would be in their pool with me, sometimes my brother, they want to jump on top of me and hold me down. And I'm literally think I'm dying and I'm fighting to get to the surface. And that to me is a picture of all my life before I met Brother Garner and the, the greater truths that we've learned. It was like drowning. And when I finally came up out of that water, oh, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm okay. And how powerful is that to know that we breathe the very breath of God? We're okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the more we breathe it, the more we become the very breath again to other people. So a modern translation of the book of Thomas states this, a, a fiery heat occurs in our body when we are breathing powerfully for an extended time during spiritual exercise. I believe we can meditate and we can practice breathing the breath of God. We talk about practicing the presence of God, right? But practice breathing the breath of God. Here's the secret. This breath can transform our body and consciousness from one phase or state to another. Like water could become a vapor and caterpillars become butterflies, the heat generated during this breathing can phase us into a light body frequency. We're still the same molecular composition, yes, but our state of being rises into this new frequency of harmonics. Our body begins taking on a higher vibrational reality. It has heat, it has light, and higher states in it, literally to the point that we can come to a higher state of awareness. We're not trying to become a higher state of being because we already are being who we be. We are already that. So with the lengthy presence of deeply inhaled oxygen, which is a necessary element for fire, right? Without oxygen, there's no fire. You know, you see somebody stranded out on a desert somewhere and they have nothing and they put sticks together and they turn it and turn it and they little spark there. What's the next thing they do? They blow. That you got to have oxygen. You got to have breath. For us to live the way Jesus said we could live, we've got to... We've got to breathe as the very breath of God. And so breathing exercise, the spark of electricity in every cell of our body, electric flares up. There's 100 trillion cells, according to what was known at that time. Without oxygen, fire goes out. With it, they flame up. So I would say if there's something going wrong in our physical body or our or our conscious awareness, or whatever it is, we may not be in understanding breathing the breath of God into our being. We're just bringing oxygen. And we're always saying, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? You know, and there again, if you go to the doctor's office and you say, I don't know what's wrong with me, under my fingernails are blue and my toenails are blue. Well, the doctor's smart. Let me check your oxygen. Oh my God, your oxygen's down to 80. Somebody get the oxygen tank. Well, so what did we do in church when people came with problems? Well, what have you been doing? You've been drinking? You've been smoking? You've been having affairs? You've been, you know, we went down this sin consciousness with them. All we need to say, hey, honey, let me tell you what you need to do. You just need to breathe the breath of God. You need to, let me show you how to meditate. Let me show you how to relax and just begin to, and, and, and it's pictured as physical breath. Yes, it's pictured because physical breath is real, but spiritual the breath of God, the pneuma of God is real. God breathed himself into man. So we need to, by faith, practice breathing that breath and know what it is and say, Father, I may not understand everything Roy is teaching me because I know he doesn't understand it all either, <laughs> but I do know it's real. I know I have breathed, and I used to call it breathing the Holy Spirit. How many times have we said, you know, breathe on me? And I experienced it, but I really didn't know what I was experiencing. But literally it was Father showing me that there is a breath of God in you. 
and there is a breath of God to be breathed. And I don't have to worry about the planet running out of oxygen. I, I don't have to worry. I just know that I have an eternal breath. It's the breath of God. I remember Donna and I used, when we were young and we used to kiss a lot, and she would just breathe my breath and say, oh, that is so good. <laughs> I always like to lie on her. <laughs> but you know what? Just, just all joking aside, there's many times that I have in my night, in the night, because Donna... Some, she, she has a real small throat, so she breathes real slow sometimes. And sometimes I'll wake up and I don't see her breathing. I don't see her lungs going up and down. So I always get over there. I'm trying to look for any signs of life that I can. <laughs> Have I told you that, Donna? I just, I just want to make sure she's breathing. <laughs> that, that's how we need to start examining people. Are you breathing? Are you, are you breathing the breath of God? Or are you just breathing just normal oxygen and it's polluted and it's, you know, and we're worried that we're going to die all the time. People walk around with masks constantly because they're scared to death they're going to get something. Uh-huh. Now we need to realize what we breathe. Oxygen flames up. So breath, God breath flames up. God breath will set you on fire. Talk about the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's what it is. It's the fire of breath. It's the fire of breath. Are you waving at me, Norma? <laughs> even, even this guy said, even in the, the guy that trans, uh, wrote this, he said, even in the Ten Commandments, when the pillar of fire blocks Yul Brenner's chariot, his lieutenant calls it the breath of God. Do you remember that? He said it was the breath of God. The fire element is always known this way. So we've heard the phrase many times, purifying fire, right? And we've heard that God's going to come as a purifying fire and purify the earth and all that. Fire is used to purify everything. It's used to purify gold, uh, precious metals. You know, when gold is heated up, all the other elements burn away or go out of it. And so why wouldn't the presence of oxygen or body from this breathing be purification for us? When we begin to meditate about it. And how powerful is it if we can really grasp the breath of God and begin to meditate on that and begin to practice breathing the breath of God? Just take times and say, Father, you know, somebody might come up to us, what are you doing? I'm breathing breath. I'm breathing the breath of God. Don't do it because they may send you away. <laughs> but do it in privacy. Do it. That's what I mean. Do it. Do it alone. Do it in privacy. Do it with your husband and wife. If you want to sit across from each other and hold hands and say, let's practice breathing the breath of God. No, he won't because it'll burn him up. It'll it'll light his fire. Ladies, you want to light your husband's fire? Start breathing with him. (laughs) Breathe. So I would say this, this experience here, you know, our, our body is electrical, is it not? We have electricity flowing through us. If you don't believe me, let me tell you how I feel on my leg right now. From my thigh to my knee, I don't know what it is. I'm believing it's going to come into divine organ, but I, or organ, origin. I, it, it literally, order and origin. It just has electrical shots, hits it constantly, and it's numb. And sometimes I'll just jump because there's electricity in my body. And I told you guys a few weeks ago, I used to be an embalmer. 
And we were always told that after a person dies, there's still electricity in their body. And I never quite understood that. Barbara's familiar because she worked in the industry a little bit, but I was an embalmer. And sometimes when a body is uh, uh, autopsied, you know, they take all the organs out, so the funeral directors have to put them back in. Well, so we would put the brain back up in the head. Sometimes an instrument would uh, accidentally touch the, what do you call it? Huh? The cortex? The cortex back here. And all the electricity in the body would leave right then. And the whole body would jump. I mean, just every muscle would just jump like that. That's electricity. We have electricity in our body. So electricity is fire, right? And so when it shows itself, it's because it's oxygen has mixed with it, yeah. right? You wouldn't see it if oxygen wasn't causing that fire, just like these bulbs and things like that. So I'm trying to act like a scientist, and I know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but we have firsthand experience, and we know, that our brain, what, we, we know what our brain cells feel like when we breathe. It feels good. Just do it. Just take a deep breath. You, you, sometimes you even get dizzy. It's almost a euphoric feeling like... <sighs> You know, the first time Donna kissed me, I thought she was going to faint. It just, she sucked in that breath and just, it was just amazing. I never seen her eyes like that again since then. <laughs> but it, what does it do? It brings, I'm getting dizzy right now. It, bring, it brings you to a place of being elevated, right? Elevated. We, we want to be elevated in our awareness and elevated in our understanding. So when we breathe the breath of God, purposefully yes. breathe yes. the breath of God, yes. it's more than just a goosebump. Yes. Something's going on inside of our body. Something takes place. I believe it's life and life more abundantly yes. that begins to rise up yes. with it. And it's a, uh, it's a quickening that takes place inside of us. There's a heat that's experienced with breathing purposefully, a heat, and it can last for extended periods. This awareness comes from personal experience where we can find ourselves uh, in our chair, in our carpet, wherever we're seated, what are literally soaked in what? Perspiration, correct? Because the body begins to heat up and we can get a rosy skin tone on us from it. Runners, again, are enlivened by that. And I've heard them say this is where they got into the zone. Yeah. The zone is when the body is doing what it's supposed to do. It burns calories. It, yeah. it, it does all kinds of stuff. So when they're breathing deeply, that takes place. So this is not about exercise, but it's about a conscious choice. I'm not telling you to go get a bicycle and all that, although it would do us all good. I'm, it would me too. But I'm talking about a conscious effort to say, I am going to practice breathing the breath of God. My breath. It's my breath. God put it in me and gave it to me, right? If you walk up to me, and I've had this happen before, I've had people walk up to me and slip money in my pocket before as a pastor in the past, and they would slip a check in or whatever. Well, guess what? It was mine. It belonged to me, and I could do whatever I want with it. Well, God put himself in you. God, Father God, belongs to you. You're the very being of God. And so I like this right here. Uh, this heat and its transformative action in our body cleanses and heals the body from within. This is a powerful secret to health. It promotes such purification that we can be in excellent health in an ongoing way. 
germs and viruses do not find a favorable environment to live in the body because the heat from a deep breath drives them out. Now, let me ask you something. Is fever a bad thing? No. Not at all. It's, a, it's evidence that there's some infection going on. But literally, we have done wrong in trying to get the fever down too quick because fever was given to us, which is heat, to burn away that which was causing the infection. But what do we immediately want to do? We want to go get an antibiotic or we want to stop it. Now, yes, if it's out of control, you know, you don't want to be 105 degrees. But if you have 99, you know, something like that, drink you some water, you know, get some soup, lay down and rest and let the fever do what it's supposed to do. And it brings healing to you. This deep breath exercises can be used to burn out colds, flu, asthma, cancer, addictions, which decreases the benefit of holy breath. When you have asthma, it decreases the benefit of breath, does it not? Infections decrease. Almost everybody that's really getting sick, you can see their oxygen level begins to go down, down, and down. And that's why they give them what? Oxygen. So, yes, let them give you oxygen. But have somebody come alongside you and say, hey, let's practice breathing the presence of God. Amen. You know, you know when, and they've given our brother a lot of oxygen, but we should be able to go and say, let's, let's breathe. Let's breathe the presence of God. And don't take it off. I'm not telling you to take that. But just in your conscious awareness, begin to say, my body needs breath. Yes. Not just oxygen. My body needs breath. Needs the very breath of God flowing through me. Amen. Let uh, me think of something. So what I'm saying here is I'm not talking about trying to make my spirit grow or my spirit to become. I'm talking about spiritual technology. There is a technology to this. And God is technic technical. God created all science. God created the technicality of the orbits orbiting and they have for millions actually no time there at all and they've never come out of orbit. The only creature that has changed itself is man. Yeah. Because we believe the great lie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? right? So by practicing this spiritual technology we can burn out impurities such as heavy metals, smog, pesticides, See, that's one of the first kind of fears that came to me when I began to be told about these things I have is from, uh, for three and a half years, I crawled in every kind of chemical there was. Mm -hmm. Under houses, I breathed it. My kids breathed it. My wife breathed it. It's always kind of been in the back of my thoughts for years that we drove a car that had all that chemical back there in the trunk, and my kids breathed that stuff. And next thing you start seeing is the commercials about Roundup. Yes. Well, I've got that all over me before. But guess what? The breath of God burns that up. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to keep doing it. But the breath of God burns impurities out of us. And it also, cancer is not comfortable in heat. Huh? But it likes breath of God. It likes breath. I don't mean it likes it. It would be repelled with breath. And there was a doctor named Otto Warburg, I think I said his name right. He showed that cancer cells could not live in a healthy alkaline environment in the human body. And that's why we hear stuff about drinking water that bring our alkalinity, right? And then the opposite 
Acidity arises from diets of sweets, alcohol, coffee, soft drink, soft drink, sugars, processed flour, processed foods. It becomes an environment for all that kind of stuff. Cancer thrives on that. Then he, then he said the heat generated during breathing exercises thrives, uh, excuse me, thrives. I'm trying to think what I was trying to say here. I've got ahead of myself. Oh, the heat generated during breathing exercises burns sugar and it burns acid right out of your system. And he says it does it by atomizing them back into free form energy. Isn't that amazing? So even physical breathing, because it's the same, it really is. I'm not, you know, I know oxygen's important to our body, but I'm just saying the spiritual picture of breathing is we're breathing the very life of God inside of us. And it can burn away everything that's hindering you. And so it's something we want to practice. So I'll, I'll try to get through here real quick. I'm almost done. Once we get that by breathing and the body moving portions Literally, it causes the infinite divine being to begin to flow through our entire being. It causes the divine nature that we have to function inside of us. We will raise our body and our mind's frequency to what Jesus taught us. And he said, I came to bring awareness to life and life more abundantly. He didn't come to bring it because if he came to bring it, then we didn't have it. But we had it. We just didn't possess it, if you would. And so doing so provides gifts that are true, tangible, uh, things that uplift ourselves. We uh, lift one another. It's a step-by-step process. It, it takes time. Just because we leave here today and heard this and say amen doesn't mean we're going to all of, all of a sudden it's going to work. It takes us being willing to let the breath of God be our breath and consciously think about that when we, all the time. Consciously think in the morning when we get up, we take our first breath. We need to be saying, this is the breath of God. I'm breathing the breath of God. I'm excelling the breath of God. And when you excel the breath of God, it literally changes how you speak and what you say to people. Right? It should. <laughs> it's a step-by-step thing. So our, we, what we do is we're rediscovering our source. My source is not so much what this planet provides me. My source is what provided everything on this planet. Yeah. My source is my chi. It's my, it's my breath. It's my life source. It's God. It's God Almighty. It's, it's, it's what I, how I live and how I move and how I have my being. The, the Bible says in him and in breath, in breath, I live and I move and have my being. Without breath, physically, I die. Well, I say without breath, pneuma breath, we're perishing. We're not living the life that God gave for us. So what I'm teaching here in this chapter should really not be thought of as strange. You know, I know a lot of religious minded people would think it's strange. But if you go back to the rule of first mention, the very first place that breath is mentioned is Genesis 2, 7. And it says, Father breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became, which means man existed, ha'a, as Father God. If you're breathing the breath of life, you exist as God. If you're breathing just oxygen, and oxygen is your supply, then you're not existing as God. But as when you breathe, you realize you're breathing breath. You are the breath of God. The breath of our Father is not just oxygen. 
Now, I, people are going to say, well, what do you, well, I hope you understand. It's not just oxygen. It is, yes. it is God breath. Yes. God created oxygen. <laughs> Donna, thank you, Donna. It's spirit. Yes, ma'am, it's spirit. You're right. Well, that can relate to So our, our first spiritual exercise is to practice being the breath of Father God. Just sit and breathe as the presence of life. That, that I would like to ask you guys this week, and I promise you, you know, a, 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 I look at these bikers. We have a friend named Steve, and I guess David likes to ride a lot. And sometimes I just don't get it. Gordon. Gordon. I mean, yeah. they, they tell me how they will ride from one state to another, you know, and they just love it. And I do get it, but they just love it. But I understand it. It's because it gives them, it gets their adrenaline going. It, they, it, they feel good because they're breathing oxygen. And, and there's nothing better than going up into a high mountain somewhere and just breathing that fresh air, right? So how much is it going to feel like when we really understand that we're breathing the breath of God, Amen. the very breath of God? So all fullness dwells in breath and breath dwells in us. And I'll close with this, Colossians 1, 13 through 16, I think it is. I translated this, 15. It says, it says Colossians 1, 13, who rescued us from the force of living as mere humans, living by the five sense realm, resulting in living as void of breath. I used to say void of spirit, but we, we've been living as void of breath. Isn't that true? After everything I've shared today, in shadiness and obscurity, not favoring our Father. Verse 14, being resurrected from that illegal and false state, stood us back up in the realm of the heavenly. That's what Jesus did. He stood us back up. Of him and we now living as a pearl of our Father, Creator, Spirit. And, and I should change that to breath. In whom we hold in possession of permanence, ransom in full, even of freedom and sending forth from us living as mere man who lives by the five sense realm. He, Jesus, with the likeness and representation of Father, Creator, breath, slowed down the visibility. The first in the period of he was, uh, when he was born, being fully energized and vitalized by breath of life to restore life to the whole race of mankind. So see, that's what breath does. It energizes you. It revitalizes you, right? Because you were vital, but something happened. You know, it revitalizes you. And so if we constantly uh, think about this and dwell on this and meditate on this, what will it do? I think it will revitalize us. It will wake us up to who we are and cause us to be the breath of God everywhere we go. And yes, Donna, you can still use the word breath. I mean spirit, but we must know that spirit means breath. I think it's easier to explain to somebody breath than it is spirit. Right? And so that's what my goal was to do this and I'll finish this next week. So thank you very much. We love you and just keep breathing. <laughs> thank you guys for being here. Hi, Anna.